the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner. Well, I'm very pleased to have Brett O'Reilly here in the podcast New Zealand studio. Brett is the CEO at Auckland Tourism Events and Economic Development. Welcome along, Brett. Kia ora, Paul. Nice to be here. Well, I thought maybe we should start with a bit of a description on uh, what Auckland Tourism Events and Economic Development is all about, or ATED, as we often uh, hear, you, hear you referred to. It's a bit of a mouthful. I'm not sure everyone has a clear picture on everything that you do, because you've got quite a broad mandate, haven't you? Yes, it is a broad mandate, Paul. Um, our goal is really to transform the Auckland economy, and, um, and that's really um, in the broadest possible terms. A lot of people will know us from the early work we've done in the visitor economy and and around major events, which has been to drive visitation. And that's really um, because the visitor economy unlocks the amenity of a city as a as a city and country that's a long far long way away from our markets. Um, the visitor economy plays a big part in amplifying um, who we are as a city. Um, but we're also involved in business attraction and investment. Um, we've got a goal for Auckland to become. Um, a high-value innovation economy, so that's been a big part of our focus, and we, we'll talk a bit about uh, some of that later. Um, we're really concerned about uh, the development of our workforce and talent, because that's obviously the key fuel that uh, that drives an economy, so that's a big part of, of what we do. Uh, we run the Auckland Convention Bureau, we, uh, which, uh, which manages the international education uh, market into Auckland, uh, we manage Screen Auckland, which manages the screen sector and the interaction with them. We manage the Auckland Convention Bureau, uh, which um, attracts uh, business events into uh, into Auckland. Um, and we're involved in a range of other activities, including the with the regional business partner for central government agencies for those businesses that are looking for R and D grants or um, uh, or assistance with uh, with export vouchers. Um, and we're working in uh, in the local economy, looking for opportunities to facilitate local economic development with um, with businesses. And probably the the area that we've focused a lot on in the last couple of years is is the city to city trade links for Auckland. So you know historically Auckland's not be, you know by New Zealand standards has not been a big exporter. We've been very as an economy very focused on the domestic uh, New Zealand economy. So a big part of of Auckland now is building those trade links. So we're about building city-to-city um, trade links in partnership with, with central government. And and I suppose the overriding theme of what we do is um, it's about partnering uh, because agencies like ours play a facilitation role, but it's actually businesses that grow the economy. So it's our ability to partner with businesses and partner with other agencies and organisations uh, that really is the stuff that makes an economy grow. So, noting how sort of broad it is what you've got to look after, does that mean you've got the organisation sliced and diced up into a lot of different uh, segments? How do you, you know, how does that actually operate on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, the, the key to what we do is really looking for integrated outcomes. Um, so we have five major focuses for the economy. Um, that is driving skills and talent. It's attracting uh, investment into the economy. It's um, about the visitor economy and driving visitation. It's about innovation and entrepreneurship because that's a key part of our focus. And it's about projecting Auckland's uh, global brand and Auckland also around New Zealand. So really, with those five uh, key priorities, 
we're looking to ensure that as many programs as possible are ticking those five um, five areas. So, if you like, that's the horizontal part of our business, and and ATED really is an Uber project organisation. So. We operate on a 90-day cycle, and every 90 days we are reprioritising the business and reprioritising our project focus around where we think we can drive the best outcomes for, uh, for Auckland and for the ratepayers who are ultimately our shareholders. And then obviously we have vertical structures, which are really just how you organise people and budgets, um, and, uh, and, and we're tweaking those from time to time uh, as we see opportunities arise and as we, you know, we marshal our resources um, but we try, we've tried to create um, a private sector culture facing the private sector. Um, and then, you know, we obviously uh, uh, link back into council and central government agencies yes. um, rather than creating a public sector culture facing uh, business because we, we think that's, the, that's the, the easiest way to partner if people recognise the culture that they're partnering with. And we've tried to be very outcome-focused rather than the historical public sector approach, which is very output-focused. Right. And so you must be doing a lot of measuring in terms of being able to you know, track how each of these things are, are going. Um, is that hard to put those sort of measurements in, in place so you can, you can track what, uh, how much of a success you know, each endeavour is? Yeah, we've you know we've got um, obviously we typically don't fund anything unless we can measure the outcomes and in the in the planning frameworks that we operate within we have you know key performance indicators like any business would have which we agree with council and other stakeholders and are sort of really our high level um, uh, outcomes and we're trying to get more measurability into those and make them as meaningful as possible. My observation about the public sector in general is that. We tend to collect a lot of data, but we, we don't uh, necessarily use it um, as effectively as we could. So we're just going through a, a transformation process at the moment where we're looking to become much more exponential as an organisation, really following the philosophies of Salim Ismail. Uh, for those um, people in, in the audience who have uh, read the Exponential Organisations book, and that says that there are two real keys to being an exponential organisation. One is your partnerships and two is your ability to drive data, and particularly make data available to your partners. So we can all be making smart decisions, and we can all be recognising and capitalising on opportunities that are actually informed by the data. That's great. And in terms of attracting the right sort of people, because there there can be a sort of a, a uh, a different ilk of person who's into uh, innovation and and pace than you might see um, within. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the variance between mm. public and, and private organisations. How do you get people that are going to um, you know understand your values and, and really want to run run with things? Is that um, is that a challenge? Yeah, well, we have an interesting workforce. Um, so, sixty four percent of our staff are women. Um, uh, about uh, 53% of our staff are under 40, so I think that makes us quite a, quite a young workforce, uh, which is great because we're a pretty high-tempo, high-energy organisation. Um, I'm at the older end of that, uh, that age spectrum, but um, uh, you know the, the team are dynamic. I think uh, people are interested in working um, at AT uh, uh, for various reasons. I think you know, people have a passion for Auckland. Um, and a real passion for what Auckland can be, and that's certainly one of the things that gets me out of bed every morning. And and I think that's a passion shared by our our team, and it's built a really strong culture 
um, at ATEED. I think we do some really interesting work. Um, so there's an opportunity to work on some pretty um, pretty cool projects and, so, and some interesting stuff. And I think um, that attracts a lot of young people. It's an, you know it's an it's an exciting brand to work with. It's an exciting proposition to work with. The work that we're doing around innovation is, um, uh, you know, is stuff that hasn't been done in New Zealand before. Um, in general, we're we're pushing the boat out in a whole range of areas. So I think uh, people are drawn to that um, uh, to that vision. I think uh, it's probably fair to say that millennials tend to be driven by a higher purpose these days. It isn't just about money, and so for some people, they see the the Kaupapa, you know, the, the vision that we have for uh, for Auckland that we're operating under has been something that's quite attractive to them. That's great. Now, your background is, has seen you over, I guess, the last couple of decades sort of, you know, working in a mix of uh, roles, uh, Ministry of Science and Innovation, uh, founding CEO at the NZICT group. Um, what have you learned through those things that are that you're now really able to uh, to utilize in in this role because uh you know i guess it's a reasonably unique role there aren't a lot of roles like this in the country um but you you seem to be um you know from an outside perspective of have brought a lot of the right pieces to the table to make it to make the organization work well well, it's nice of you to say that. I mean, I'd like to think um, it's been a bit of an amalgam of a lot of things I've done in my career um, uh, and that I've, I've had a fair amount of exposure to the public sector um, and I've obviously worked in, uh, um, worked in telecommunications for over 20 years, which I found pretty fascinating um, as, a, as a business. So, so I think... Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been a very interesting um, ride. I think it's about... Um, recognizing that the key role is to actually bring people together that's something I've I think I've been um, good at in my career historically you know that ability to try and uh, and facilitate partnerships recognize that you don't have to lead all the time Um, so so I think you know that's something I'm particularly proud of that uh, you know a lot of the initiatives that we get involved with we don't lead you know we're we're part of the mix we might start leading it some and sometimes but 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 it's not about you know, we can be quite low ego. We don't have to be in charge. Um, and a lot of the um, the best things that we're doing weren't our ideas. They're ideas from other people and, and, uh, and embracing um, embracing that. Um, I try to be pretty authentic as a leader. That's something I've learned over a long period of time that, you know, the best, the best way to lead is to be yourself. Um, and I think um, the organisation uh, is pretty authentic, you know, and, uh, in, that, uh, in that way. I think the other thing is about, um, uh, you know, really b- being agile and taking advantage of opportunities. So, you know, there, if we're expecting um, the people that we work with to be innovative, if we're expecting them to be dynamic and to grasp opportunities, then I think it behoves us to have the same culture. Um, and so we, you know, we try and be responsive. Uh, some of the best work we've done has been um, off the back of, of very short-term opportunities. I'll give you a, a, a quick example. You know, we've recently hosted Tech Week um, in Auckland. You know, that was a real collaborative effort. You know, we'd thought about an innovation event for a while. Um, uh, our, our team you know, came to me with a proposition and said, hey, look, you know, we think it's about creating a platform and letting people innovate off that platform. So you know, Tech Week goes from being my vision, which was in year one, maybe seven days and 20 events, instead 11 days, 60 events, about 12,000 people in motion. Most of it delivered by people in the ecosystem, not by us. 
And then out of that, we've, we've found that this, there's currently this real sweet spot around virtual reality and augmented reality. Uh, Magnify being one of the largest events that was during Tech Week, about 1,200 participants. So we've grabbed that. We've decided that you know uh, Auckland could be a world leader by having uh, what we think is going to be the first virtual reality, augmented reality innovation precinct um, or innovation studio, um, actually just um, not far from here in Newton. And in the space of about, I think, six weeks, you know, we've actually pulled that together. The, uh, it's been driven as much by people in the ecosystem as us, but we're trying to facilitate that. I love when that stuff comes together because that's, that's responding to those opportunities. And, uh, and when you create that momentum and you give people in the private sector the confidence that you're going to back them and that you're going to try and remove the barriers, it's actually amazing what's possible. And so I think, um, uh, I remember, remember someone saying to me when I first got involved with the public sector, you know, the, 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 the most astonishing thing you could do, Brett, is ban the word no. Um, and I've sort of spun that in a different way where I have a philosophy, you know, which, I, which, um, which has become a, a little bit of a mantra at AT, which is never miss an opportunity to lead. Yes, that's great. Um, and it doesn't mean we have to lead it, but if there's an opportunity for Auckland to lead something out, then let's grab it and you know we can always make up you know we can always fast fail it we can always make up our mind later that it's not the right thing to do or we're going to pivot and do something quite differently but but let's start from the from the position of what's possible versus hey you know this might actually require us to to um to drop a few things and actually pick pick something up and um has that has that been hard to create that mindset, or is that uh, something that sort of has come natural to uh, to you know to most of your people? Oh, look, I think I think uh, we've got a fantastic group of of, uh, of people. You know, I'm inspired by um, the people that work at AT every day, and and I think once they see that you're willing to take those roadblocks away, uh, once they see that you're willing to give them air cover, because you know because it does require um, uh, pushing the boat out a bit on some of this stuff. Uh, and they see that it's possible, like any organisation, then, then people really grab uh, the mantle. And, uh, and so we've been able to do some amazing things over the last, um, the last few years. And, um, and every time I think, you know, we've, um, uh, you know, we've sort of hit a threshold, the team push, push through it. And that's, and that's not just because of what's happening in AT. That's the confidence that partners then have to go, hey, actually, these guys, you know, really will respond quickly. They will really grab... Um, the mantle so um, yes I I think that's been um, a distinguishing quality of um, of our culture and that has been that you know people are willing to step up at all levels of the organization with ideas and innovation and it's definitely not driven from the top you know there's uh, the the people below me have far more imagination than I do well, I, yeah, I guess that that does reflect back on you. So, I mean, th- from that perspective, what are, what are the traits that you are looking for and that you look out for, and that say to you, "This is somebody I need to get behind. This is somebody I want to I want to push to greater things within the within the organisation." How do you how do you make those sort of those sort of calls? How do you how do you back the the winners within your organisation so that they can take you further? Yeah, we've got a real big focus on um, on people development, and so typically we, you know, we're wanting to encourage people to be lateral thinkers. We move people around the organisation quite a bit. Um, so through our personal development process, we're trying to encourage people to move 
um, horizontally around the organisation so they can work in different areas. Um, and also because a lot of our activity is cross-organisation, you know, it's an opportunity for people to work in different teams. So as I say, they may be, they may be um, physically located on an org chart in a, in a vertical team, but actually they may spend quite a bit of their time working, working horizontally. So we're looking for people that are ready to pick up that challenge. Um, you know, we're a reasonably flat structure, so progression upwards is not always that easy. So, um, but but I believe that you can create career opportunities for people by moving uh, by moving them horizontally and getting them involved in exciting projects. Um, and I think um, people become self-selecting because people see the opportunity to um, to operate in that area. It's not for everybody. You know, some people uh, would prefer just to work in, in a in a um, in a perhaps a more defined area, and that's that's fine. You know, that's cool. Um, but by and large, we've seen with uh, with most um, of the people at AT, they they really um, love that challenge of working across the organisation, and uh, and reward and recognition is a really part big part of our of our organisation and recognising people that embody those values and deliver against them and. and Every 90 days when we, we roll into a new 90-day plan, we celebrate the previous 90 days, we acknowledge the people that have stood out and the work they've done in those 90 days in embodying those values, and then we, you know, we celebrate the next 90 days that's coming and those events and, and, uh, and projects that are coming up that give everybody an opportunity to, to, um, uh, to be involved, and we encourage people to put their hands up if they hear about a project that they're interested in getting involved with. Then and and if we can find a way of get, of getting them involved in that, then then why not? You know, it's, it's it's a good development opportunity for them, and they typically bring fresh ideas and fresh energy into it. That's great. Now, have you always had this ninety day window, or is that something that's that's just been in place over over the last period? Um, that, that's something I introduced reasonably quickly um, after I started at AT. It was something that I'd been at the Ministry of Science Innovation. Um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, beforehand, and we'd just been implementing um, that in the very short time that that ministry existed before it was rolled into the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. Um, and I think, you know, it's about getting that dynamic into the business. You know, what I what I saw in the public sector was a lot of, you know, quite long-run programs that, that tended to, um, you know, where life cycle wasn't necessarily managed very effectively. Um, and so I think it's about... You know, questioning yourself um, regularly about do we still need to be doing that? Is is that still relevant? And then also making sure that you've you've freed up some space to take advantage of those opportunities, those that uh, that pop up like um, like VR and AR, um, which um, you know you don't want to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm too busy because I'm still working on something that we envisaged two years ago. Um, when actually, as we all know, the world's you know we we live in a most disruptive time in human history. And so if, if you're not in a position to take advantage of those disruptions, then you will get left behind. So drilling into that, the virtual reality and augmented reality areas that you talked about, what have you been able to do there and what, how do you think this will be good for, for Auckland? Well, I think um, it's a fascinating area because you know, the first reaction I think of most people when you talk about virtual reality is they think about entertainment. And, and, and that's that's natural because that's probably the first applications that people have seen of that technology. But actually, I think it's an enabling technology across the whole economy. You know, I, in addition to my work at AT, I've I've been uh, quite involved in the last seven and a half years in the education sector. I'm a trustee of the Manaia Kalani 
um, Trust, um, which is a, a cluster um, out in uh, East Auckland, and I chaired the government's 21st century learning reference group looking at how we digitise the, the New Zealand education system. So I look at the challenges that we have in educating um, our young people around specialist subjects and imagine if we were using virtual reality in that uh, sense. Um, we've got an aspiration we've just created in the last few weeks to be the best um, uh, VR-enabled destination marketing agency in the world. You know, we're a long way away from our markets, so imagine if people's first experience of Auckland is actually through VR. Think of, you know, the trade training you know, we talk about lifelong learners, the need to, to constantly be retooling and reskilling people, you know, through this whole disruptive cycle. And I think VR can be at the, at the heart of that. And that's not because we've suddenly come up with brilliant ideas around that. That's because through Tech Week, we saw that actually there's a, a lot more capability in this area than, than certainly I was aware of. Uh, that's not to say that some members of our team weren't. Um, and you can see the application around it. Um, also, you know, there's something about the scale of Auckland and the scale of New Zealand that enables us to bring people together and move quite quickly. And the feedback from, uh, you know, leading international uh, uh, folk like Barry Sandrew and Pat Hull, who were here as speakers, was, hey, you guys have got a great opportunity here. You know, you can be really a global testbed for this technology. You know, you're quite a joined-up system. You know, we've got Callahan Innovation, you know, uh, who, um, who we work really closely with and other players in this area. So it's been amazing, you know, how quickly it's come together. We had a session at AT this week um, to talk about this. 45 people from around the industry turned up, and, you know, that's probably just a sliver of the people that are interested in this space. So I think, um, you know, you, you create a platform, you set a direction where you're going, you, you make sure that, you know, we're not getting in the way, that, you know, we're enabling um, uh, things, and it's amazing what what's possible, and and I think um, I think VR could be an absolute game changer uh, for Auckland. And not, and you know, and I've done a little bit of my own research since then, just to, so, to make sure that you know I understand the opportunity. Um, and I think uh, yeah, I think it it could be a real um, yeah real game changer for us, and a way of us actually addressing some pretty fundamental issues that we have around skills and talent in addition to all the other broader opportunities that might exist. We talk, we've been talking for the last two or three years about developing screen innovation and production precinct in Auckland, bringing that sector together. And I think you know we've talked about that in terms of, of uh, movies and television and ga- gamification. Well, I th- definitely think we can add VR and AR to that. Makes a lot of sense. What are the unique um, things about Kiwis that you see, uh, you know, gives us that great opportunity, that maybe a, a, a somewhat unique opportunity here? Um, you know, there is something about living on the edge, um, uh, which, you know, is well, doc- is well documented. Um, and I think, so, so I think that's, that's unique. I think the multicultural nature of Auckland um, uh, has created a really different vibe um, you know, I've, I've spent a fair bit of time in my career in Silicon Valley, and um, and people will be aware that you know one of the dynamics there is the influence of migrants. You know, the number of migrants who end up um, being um, entrepreneurs and managing startups. I think we're seeing that dynamic in Auckland now. You know, you get a you get a um, any kind of event that's going on in the eco- ecosystem, and you'll feel like you're at a meeting at the United Nations. You know, you've got a lot of different nationalities in play. So I think. I think that you know. I think the, the you know the uh, 
historical New Zealand ability to come up with great ideas, the high quality of our of our tertiaries. You know, we have one of the highest number of patents in the in the world. Um, but what we've missed out on in the past has been that ability to commercialise that. And so I think the the multi the the growing multicultural nature of the city is only increasing that ability to drive ideas. I th- I do think migrants tend to to be a bit more internationally focused. I think this generation is born global, uh, compared to my generation where international travel was quite a big deal. Um, that's not that's not the same for this generation. And I think you know they're much more comfortable with thinking about creating a business that's immediately going to going to be an international business rather than feeling like they've got to got to prove themselves in New Zealand. And I think the tall poppy syndrome is is basically being you know. Um, I sort of, I guess, beaten out of our psyche by yes. by this generation, and hallelujah for that. Um, but so I think one of our roles now is to um, working with central government and other partners is, you know, how do we make sure we get more capital in to support that? We we know at the early stage space, you know, um, you know whether it's angel investment or incubation and acceleration, there's actually a pretty good ecosystem now, and I, I I've seen some numbers which suggest that I think, you know. Per, per deal, we actually, you know, we're, we're up there with, you know, world's best um, last year in terms of angel investment. But it's actually that follow-on capital that uh, that businesses need, and and we think there's a sweet spot around creating innovation precincts. Some of them created by us, some of them created by others, where you can bring these businesses together, and you get you get the agglomeration benefits, you get more cohesion and sharing of ideas. Um, because when I first came back here seven and a half years ago, um, and you know, in the NZICT role, and you know, found myself roaming around talking to people about about the technology sector, you realise it's a very dispersed city. You know, people didn't get together that that often. And one of the things about the um, Grid Auckland um, Innovation Precinct when you quarter was just creating somewhere where people could coalesce, where people could hang out together, and uh, and start to create that cohesion and. Uh, and now we, you know, we're seeing more precincts develop. So, so I think we've always had that ideas ability, uh, but innovation is actually about commercialisation. It's actually about turning those ideas into um, into businesses, and hopefully businesses that are going to stay and flourish here, and not just be acquired um, offshore. There'll always be an element of that, and we'll, and the capital often gets recycled, but that's where the talent piece is important. You know, if we're going to ask entrepreneurs and encourage entrepreneurs to develop businesses here, then it behoves us to make sure that we have a talent pipeline that can support those businesses staying here. Because ultimately, you know, that's going to that's going to create the higher wage economy, um, which is our vision for Auckland. That's good. And in terms of your, you know, a, a, a broader, longer term view for for Auckland and and for you New Ze- for New Zealand, what what does that look like? Well, I think we're perfectly placed in the world. You know, Asia Pacific is obviously the you know the I was going to say the fastest growing region. It might be the only growing region actually in in the world. Uh, but I think you know we we um, obviously the the mayor's aspiration for the city is to be the world's most livable city, and and that has to be livable in every sense. So both a great place to live, but but a place where you can enjoy higher incomes than people have historically enjoyed in in a city which will. You know, you know, we're seeing people around Asia Pacific willing to pay a livability premium, as I call it. You know, because this is a high quality place to live in generally, and so 
um, I don't see that premium necessarily coming down. You know, you'd say the housing market is is overheated at the moment, but it's overheated because this is a great place to live. So one of the ways of dealing to that is bringing the costs down. Another way of dealing that is bringing the incomes up. And so I think um, uh, you know, that's, a, that's a key focus for us. We understand more than ever the areas in the economy where we're growing and where we have the potential to grow. Um, I think you know, we, the quality of our education system can't be underestimated. You know, we, will, we will never necessarily have the scale of other countries, but we have some real smarts. So if I think of the screen and digital sector as an example, you know, we're doing a lot of work in China at the moment. Now, we're never going to build a studio complex in a, that's going to compete with anything in China. You know, when you see sort of 28 sound stages being built by Wanda and Qingdao. But we know that in areas like post-production and visual effects, you know, we're world class. So, you know, let's, let's capitalise on those opportunities where we can actually uh, be providing, you know, those high-end skills you know, by all means, we'll still want to attract productions to New Zealand and they'll come here because of the locations and the quality of our crews. Of course. But actually looking at what are the sweet spots that are really going to generate, um, uh, you know, the, um, higher value jobs for us. So, so I see um, us only becoming more of a tech economy than we are today. Um, you know, Quietly, we've had you know fibre being rolled all around the city, and so I think we're now um, the fourth most um, digital city in the world, um, and that will again only increase. So the base infrastructure is in place. We've got an incredible talent machine uh, that that um, that creates uh, creates talent both from within New Zealand and international students. So we want to create the right environment to keep those people here, and to be generating higher and higher income jobs. That will uh, that will make this place both the world's most livable city and hopefully one of the world's most affordable as well. Sounds great. Sounds really good. Now, to get there, I guess as as individuals, there are things that we need to put in place. Everybody needs to be to be improving, to be stepping up. What are some of the things that you can share about how how you operate? How does your how do you operate your day so that uh, so that you have very effective days? How do you operate your meetings? What are the what are the the um, um, the specifics about how you work that you could share? Um, I do quite a lot of research, so I try and go into meetings where I can um, understanding what you know having a, having a clear outcome in my own mind of what. Of what we're trying to get out of the meeting, and that and that's from the both the communication with someone beforehand, um, and I'm fortunate I've got a, you know um, uh, a fantastic support team, uh, two people that uh, that I work with every day who make sure that I'm pretty prepared when I go in. But you know, generally before each day, I'm looking looking at my calendar, understanding who I'm meeting with, getting myself my head in the right space because. We, we have such a broad brief, quite often, you know, I'll be in, you know, it's, my average day is probably somewhere between seven and 11 meetings um, and or discussions over a day, and that could roam across the whole uh, realm of what we're doing. So making sure I've read my briefs, uh, making sure that if I'm, if I'm uncertain about anything, you know, the great thing with the web is you can generally find out, you know, who's who and, and, uh, and what people are doing. Um, and so going into those prepared and... And being quite certain of the outcomes, 
you know, I'm not a great note taker. Um, I'm, I'm blessed with, with a, that I've got a, a pretty good memory. But what I try and do is follow up immediately on the on the uh, on the meetings that I have. Um, and sometimes that's you know, I, I sometimes that's just using my iPad and actually sending off emails during the meeting to uh, you know follow up emails to people and actually you know almost co-creating the follow-up with the people that I'm meeting with. So you actually create. Um, uh, create that uh, dynamic um, I'm hellishly hard to get hold of <laughs> uh, because my days are, are pretty busy but um, I try and encourage people to, to send me text messages during the day so I can try and be responsive um, and so if if um, you know quite often people will come to me because I'm the CE and they niche and and they want to start at the top of the organization but you know delegation is pretty important you know and making sure that if I am going to meet with someone I've got the right team of people from ATEED, hopefully not too many people, um, but I've got the right people to do the follow-up. So you minimise the need for, for recurrent meetings because, you know, all that does is delay things. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. That's very good. Now, there will be some listeners who will be thinking, I need to be working with ATEED. They won't be quite sure what that looks like or how they would get the ball rolling What's a typical way that people would engage with you? Do they engage with you directly? Are there particular sort of channels mm. in to establish a relationship? Look, um, all of our jobs are advertised on the council uh, website, um, and you can register. You know, if you're interested in being an employee, you can register um, in that way. Um, our business operations team have a lot of events out in uh, in local areas, working with the business community. So, if you're interested in a partnership. You know, we've got people based across the region. Um, and so if you're a business out there looking for assistance or maybe wondering how you tap into, into what ATED's doing, um, you know, contact us through the website um, and, uh, and, and we'll, you know, we'll follow up. And, and uh, you know, we, you know, we track, um, track all of that ac- activity. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a, um, a LinkedIn and Facebook uh, uh, user and you know these days it's amazing how many people reach out informally in the first instance and I'm absolutely cool with that. I think um, you know that's that's perfectly appropriate, and you know and and I know um, the other members of our team are you know operate in that same way. So plenty of touch points to to get in to get in contact with us, and um, you know and so if you've got some ideas or there are some areas that you think we might be able to help. Or even if you're just curious about what uh, what we might be able to do, then please reach out. That's our job. It's our job to help businesses grow. Ultimately, it's businesses that grow an economy, not uh, not uh, local government agencies. So the more businesses we engage with, the the greater the chance we have of growing. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Brett O'Reilly. It's uh, it's been great to have you here on the New Zealand Business Podcast. Kia ora, Paul. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner.